Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. All right, welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Of course, I am Matt Lombardo, Fansided's National NFL Insider, and we have an action-packed show for you this week. A little bit later on, Denver Broncos outside linebacker Malik Reed will join the show in just a little bit to talk about the Broncos, what they're building on defense, and how he builds on his eight-sack 2020 season, what it's like to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year, and a whole lot more. And we have a lot to get into in terms of the latest breaking news across the NFL. But before we do, a little bit of housekeeping as always. If you like what you hear on the podcast, I would really love it if you went ahead and you subscribed to the Stacking the Box podcast. Just go to the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Stacking the Box, an NFL podcast. You get that podcast with Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam every Tuesday, and you get the Matt Lombardo Show every Friday. So two podcasts for one subscription. And if you like what you hear on the Matt Lombardo Show, please go ahead and leave a five-star review. Mention what you like, what you don't like, any guests that you might be interested in hearing from, and I'll try to go and get them. But now that we have that out of the way, certainly the big story and the biggest news and all of the speculation is centered now that June 1st is in the rearview mirror around Julio Jones and his next landing spot and where he plays in 2021. And I touched on this a little bit in the column this week, that now that teams can accelerate all of the cap space that is lost in terms of moving on from a player or trading a player to 2022, you're going to see a lot more activity. And that means that teams are going to be cutting veterans. That means that trades are going to go down. And Julio Jones really casts a wide shadow across the NFL because he's the biggest name available outside of Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, we've talked about this before. I don't believe the Packers have any real incentive or reason to trade Aaron Rodgers because with Aaron Rodgers, they're a Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl favorite, arguably. And without him, they're a real unknown, especially with Jordan Love and Blake Bortles, a quarterback, whoever winds up winning that competition. But I do think Aaron Rodgers, when all is said and done, shows up in Green Bay, even if it's the day before their season opener against the Saints. I think he's a Packer in 2021. But Julio Jones, it really sounds like he has played his final down and caught his final pass in an Atlanta Falcons uniform. And then you start to wonder and you start to ask around, okay, what's the asking price for Julio Jones? And, you know, talking to an NFC executive this week, he's pretty convinced that so long as the trade is with a team outside of the NFC South, that the Falcons will get a second round pick back for Julio Jones. And, you know, it feels like that's about the right price for a 32-year-old wide receiver coming off a down year last year, two years left on his deal, set to count $11.5 million against the cap this year. But I do wonder what would happen if, say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just want to go all out and, you know, live on the wild side and go out and drop Julio Jones into an offense with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, and Tom Brady. 
I do wonder what happens if they offer a first round pick or the New Orleans Saints. You know, who knows what's going to happen there? It seems like they're all in on Jameis Winston at quarterback, at least for this season. But neither one of those teams really have the cap space to do it. So you start to think, okay, if the first round pick is off the table and the only teams where Atlanta is going to most likely get a first round pick from is from the NFC South, then you start to ask around and you start to think about which teams make sense. And I think there are about five or six teams across the league that make a lot of sense for Julio Jones. And it might be more than that. The market might be significantly stronger than that because I've spoken to numerous scouts and coaches over the past two weeks, and they tell me even at his advanced age, 32 years old, Julio Jones is still the premier wide receiver in the NFL. He's still a special talent. He's still an elite receiver. He still makes young quarterbacks better. And he could still lift a playoff contender into becoming a Super Bowl contender on the right team and with the right quarterback this year and beyond. And here's the thing. The asking price and the actual price in a trade like this for a superstar player in particular, they don't necessarily need to be the same because all it takes is one team to just flat out blow the Falcons out of the water by offering a first round pick. And guess what? You're probably going to get Julio Jones and drop him into the offense, right? So, you know, with everything that's going on, Julio Jones going on TV and saying that he's quote unquote done with the Falcons, you know, it, it, it seems rather crazy to me how this is all happening, because on the surface, it seems like the Falcons are kind of a rudderless ship and flying without a, a flight plan at the moment. Because when you think about it, they were picking number four in the NFL draft last month. You have Matt Ryan in all likelihood for two more years. And Matt Ryan, even at this age, is probably a top 15 or so quarterback in an offense with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and now Kyle Pitts, who has a chance to be a generational talent at tight end, has the versatility to play receiver, all of those things. You know, you look at that team and you have an offense that can win you 11 or 12 games. And that just might get you a home playoff game in the NFC and a very wide open NFC. You can compete with that offense. But if the reporting is true, and there's no reason to believe it isn't, that Julio Jones had requested a trade months ago, then what was Atlanta doing at number four? Just take Justin Fields. He would be arguably a top two quarterback in this year's class, maybe a top three quarterback. He played in your backyard at the University of Georgia for a year or two. You saw what he was able to do overcoming all kinds of adversity, both after transferring to Ohio State and battling injuries in the playoff. If you're not going to be able to win now with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and you're trading Julio away, one of the game's premier wide receivers, start over. You need to rebuild. Whether it's trading back, whether it's taking Justin Fields, whether it's getting future picks, doing what the Falcons did, taking Kyle Pitts, as talented as he might be, if you're facing uncertainty at quarterback two years down the line and you take your premier weapon out of the equation, that's how you wind up in NFL purgatory. That's how you wind up winning six or seven games year in, year out. So let's just say that Julio Jones really is done. My 30,000-foot view on all this is 31 other teams really should be picking up the phone and burning down the phone lines to Thomas Dimitrioff, right? Because if you think about it, if you're a team that's on the cusp of competing for the playoffs, Julio Jones will get you there. If you have a young quarterback that you're trying to evaluate, there's no better way to figure out what you have than having him throw to Julio Jones. And if you're already a playoff contending team, like the Rams, like the Titans, like the Packers, you can become a Super Bowl favorite by adding Julio Jones. So let's just look around the league, and I think there's probably five or six teams, in addition to the other 24, 25, 26 teams that make a lot of sense, there are six teams that really seem to have the need, 
the roster in place to compete for a Super Bowl with Julio Jones and the cap space a couple years down the line. And I'll just start with the Tennessee Titans. And everybody seems to talk about the Titans not only as the favorite to trade for Julio Jones, but every year as a team that people think could make a run, win a couple of playoff games, maybe go to a Super Bowl. But, you know, I've seen them lose and come up small in big games in the regular season. I've seen them, you know, lose a couple of years ago in the postseason, this past year in the wild card round. And this offseason, they lost Corey Davis in free agency. So the Titans, in terms of the style of play, the need for number one wide receiver, and the competition they face in the road to the Super Bowl on the AFC side, the Titans make a lot of sense for Julio Jones. So too, though, to the Baltimore Ravens. And here's a team with a quarterback one year removed from being the MVP in Lamar Jackson, who, if you're going to figure out if he can be an elite quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, you absolutely need to start surrounding him with weapons, real weapons. And, and Hollywood Brown is a nice piece. He's a really nice player, especially as a deep threat. And they went out and they signed Sammy Watkins, who I guess they think still has a lot of upside, even though the production hasn't really been there for the Chiefs. He was kind of playing second and third fiddle in Mahomes' hierarchy. But Julio Jones in that supporting cast, you can really dictate what you do to a defense because of the threat of Lamar Jackson, what he can do, running the football, throwing on the run, all of those things. Hollywood Brown going deep. Julio Jones is a number one. And when you look around the landscape of the NFC North, I mean, it's well documented and well known what the Steelers have. You know, you look at Deontay Johnson, you look at Chase Claypool, you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, that's a top five wide receiving core in the league. You look at what the Bengals did with Joe Burrow. You draft Jamar Chase out of LSU, consensus number one wide receiver in this year's class. Burrow's former teammate at LSU, and you drop him into an offense with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Okay, if you're the Ravens and you're seeing that happening and you already know what the Browns have done in the last two or three years, building around Baker Mayfield and the fact that they have a Super Bowl caliber roster in place, if you don't trade for Julio Jones, what are you doing? So, you know, think about... The Ravens as a landing spot for Julio Jones. And don't rule out New England because Jones just feels like the type of player and the type of receiver that Bill Belichick really covets. Even though they've ignored the receiver position for a lot of years under Tom Brady, and that was one of the linchpins to why Brady wound up moving on and going to Tampa Bay. But if you're thinking about 2022, when Mac Jones is your your starting quarterback, who is probably the fourth or fifth best quarterback in this class, if we're being honest, he needs a true number one wide receiver next year if you're going to develop. And you look at, at the AFC East, and I, and look, I love the Buffalo Bills. I, I think they could go to the Super Bowl this year. It, they'd have to beat Kansas City during the regular season. They'd have to get home field. They have to find a way to beat them in the AFC Championship game, which is a tall order. But I think they have the roster in place to be one of the biggest threats. I think the Dolphins will be significantly better now that Tua has had a whole offseason under his belt to actually learn the playbook and work with his teammates, and now he also has Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller to throw to, and then you have the Jets. Don't sleep on the Jets. That's a team that could make the playoffs this year as a wild card. I think of the Jets with Zach Wilson, and you bring in Corey Davis, and you have some nice pieces in place there. After that offseason, they could be a team to watch. And the same thing goes for the Patriots because with the roster they have and with the greatest head coach to ever coach the game, you can't ever rule them out, right? So you've spent the money at tight end. You went out and you got Hunter Henry. You went out and you got the top tight ends available. Go out and get Julio Jones. Get the number one wide receiver both for this year and for your young quarterback. And then over on the NFC side, you know, I'm not reporting this, but just kind of my speculation and reading the tea leaves, you don't hear them mentioned a lot 
in this conversation. But if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm calling Thomas Dimitri off in the Atlanta Falcons every day. I'm burning down the phone lines. What's it going to take? Because everything that's going on with Aaron Rodgers, whatever Rodgers says, whatever's coming out of the organization, so much of it stems from what Rodgers believes is a lack of commitment to building the offense around him. So much it stems from them drafting Jordan Love in the first round without even picking up the phone and calling him, not necessarily to get his input, to comfort him and say, listen, you're still our guy, but we have to figure out what we're going to do two, three, four years down the line, and you know we need to perhaps take a quarterback we can develop to trade, but those conversations never happen, right? So with Aaron Rodgers behind center and Julio Jones and Devontae Adams, at his receiver spot. Forget Tampa Bay. I think the Packers with those three are the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. Now, you take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation and you have Blake Bortles and you have Love. Well, now you're talking about a team that might struggle to win eight or nine games. That might not get you in the playoffs. So if you want to talk about an olive branch to mend the fences with Aaron Rodgers to perhaps push Rodgers across the finish line to signing a long-term extension... There might not be a bigger olive branch in the NFL than Julio Jones. So go get him if you're Green Bay. And I also think that the Rams should get involved here because I think that they've been very active this offseason and they know, they have to know, that it's now or never to win a Super Bowl. And by that, I mean over the next two years. Because they traded for Matthew Stafford, who probably has two to three really high-level seasons left in the tank. He's a guy that helped Calvin Johnson produce over 10,000 receiving yards through 67 touchdowns to him. And they play in arguably the most difficult gauntlet in the league, the NFC West, with a rising Arizona Cardinals team, a physical and talented 49ers roster, and the Seahawks, who, as long as Russell Wilson is there, they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl every year. And, you know, Cooper Cup's a nice piece, Robert Wood's a nice player, but Julio Jones, you can make the case, makes the Rams a shoe-in. Los Angeles becomes a shoe-in to at least the NFC Championship game with Julio Jones in that offense. So I think the Rams make a lot of sense there. And finally, if I'm the Giants, if I'm Dave Gettleman, if I'm Joe Judge, why not? You have the additional first-round pick next year. You have a third-year quarterback that you have to absolutely need to figure out if he can develop into a top-10 quarterback in this league in Daniel Jones. So why not go and get Julio Jones? I had a scout tell me just the other day that if he were the Giants and he could do it all over again, knowing what he knows now, he'd have traded for Julio Jones rather than signing Kenny Galladay. He thinks that Jones is still a far better player than Kenny Galladay, and he would have preferred to have him in the offense than Galladay. So you look at this. If you're Dave Gettleman, you can go get both conceivably it might take some creativity with managing the cap but you have the resources and you have the need in a very winnable division to go get Julio Jones and just think about the opening day offense you can trot out week one against Washington you can trot out excuse me against Denver week one against Denver at MetLife Stadium you can trot out a three wide receiver set with Julio Jones and Kenny Galladay on the outside Sterling Shepard or Kadarius Toney, you know, Shepard might be a trade piece. He might need to move on to create cap space. But Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones, and Kadarius Toney in the slot with Saquon Barkley in the backfield and Evan Ingram at tight end, how do you defend that? You want to talk about replicating the Kansas City Chiefs model to building a championship roster, to building an elite offense? That's a top three wide receiving core in the NFL, period, full stop in a very winnable NFC East, and you have two more seasons, 2021 and 2022, with your quarterback on a rookie deal. Now's the time. 
to go all in. Now's the time to spend around Daniel Jones and build that elite offense. So, you know, I don't know that the Giants get involved here, but they should. And if I'm Dave Gettleman, I would absolutely pick up the phone and see if I can make it happen. So of the teams we just talked about, the Ravens might be the best positioned here because they have $38 million in cap space in 2022. The Patriots have $34 million in 2022, and the Titans have 31. Baltimore has all of their picks. San Fran has $24 million. Don't rule out the 49ers. I think they'd be really interesting, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And, you know, you, you're trying to build around Trey Lance. They could be a sleeper team as well. But it just feels like the 49ers don't have a first-round pick and won't have a first-round pick until my three-year-old daughter goes to college. That's at least what it feels like. So you think about all this, and I think that you have to factor in cap space in 2022 because $11.5 million isn't a whole lot. But two years from now, he's going to be a free agent. So you're going to have to sign him to an extension maybe as soon as you trade for him this year. So we'll see what happens. Who knows how this plays out? Heck, a trade could go down by the time you're listening to this podcast. That's just how the NFL offseason works after June 1. And this is the biggest NFL offseason storyline to pop up this year. So theoretically, this could be a trade that happens at any moment. And I'm really fascinated to see what the Falcons wind up getting for Julio Jones and where he winds up going. Broncos linebacker Malik Reed joins me next. Keep it right here on the Matt Lombardo Show. Inside, fan side, it's Stacked in the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. And joining us, Denver Broncos outside linebacker Malik Reed, who's coming off a career high eight sacks and 53 total tackles last season. And you can follow Malik on Twitter at MTR underscore 90. Malik, thanks for taking the time, man. How you doing? Yo, man, no problem. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm good. Uh, you know, just getting through these OTAs, man, trying to get better every day. Getting back to the grind. Season's going to be up uh, upon us before we know it. And, you know, last year, Malik, you had a career high in sacks. You stepped in for Von Miller. That defense didn't really skip a beat. What was the biggest key to your breakout year in 2020? I feel like it was really, you know, just, just staying focused, you know, uh, controlling, you know, what I can control, building off of, you know, the amount of opportunities, you know, that I was able to get my first year, even, uh, and, you know, taking the good with the bad, you know, it was a, it definitely a, you know, big learning experience, you know, from week to week. I feel like it was just like, man, let me, let me see what I can take from each, each and every, every team that I play, each and every, you know, um, chance that I get to take the field. Let me continue to learn and grow. Like, I feel like it's always an opportunity because, you know, there's always going to be, you know, mistakes made, but it's, I feel like it's how you bounce back from, you know, whether you are able to learn and correct those things or, you know, or it goes the other way. So I feel like, you know, really learning a lot from that first year and, you know, continually continually uh, seeking to to uh, be better and keep learning, knowing that, it, you know, it's never a point where you get to where you can't, you know, learn and, uh, and grow. And I was fortunate enough, you know, coming into a situation where, it was guys, you know, that were looking out for me and, you know, giving me advice into how I could, you know, become a better player. 
what's the piece of advice that really stuck out to you? And is there something that somebody that taught you or that you saw on film watching yourself a year ago that you can say, okay, if I do this differently, or if I follow that piece of advice, I can even elevate my game to the next level in 2021. Yeah, I really feel like it's, you know, taking it one step at a time, you know, really focus, honing in on, you know, uh, not focusing on, I want to, uh, change or or be different in all these other areas but uh keep it like a small focus on you know let me let me take one day to you know work on my coverage work on my pass drops um you know work on my vision you know what i'm seeing or one day let me you know continue to work on my you know my get off getting off the ball you know just little you know nuances of the game or studying you know a little extra film and just being ready uh for what you're going to see, you know, this coming Sunday. So it's just, I feel like little nuances of the game is something that I feel like definitely helped me uh, from year one to year two. Like, I feel like year one, it was kind of, you know, it was learning the new system and it was like, you know, you're throwing it to the fire and you have to kind of like learn as you go. But the second year, I definitely, you know, I feel like felt a lot more comfortable, I feel like, in the system. So it's like you can really, you know, play free. It's not really much you know, thinking you out there trying to think through everything, but it's like, you know. Play fast, ball. right? You hear exactly. people say play fast. Once you know the scheme, it's not yeah. about thinking. It's just about actually doing it, right? Yeah, see ball, go get ball. A lot of reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Especially your position, right? And last year you yeah. had two sacks on Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, you talk about the greatest quarterbacks walking the planet. He's right at the top of that list. You know, you look at what they did this offseason. They went out, they got Joe Thune. They traded for Orlando Brown. They invested a lot during the draft in the offensive line. What do you think about their offensive line getting better and how much more of a challenge that makes going up against them this year? Uh, you know, they definitely, you know, was making moves, you know, trying to, you know, bolster up the offensive line. And, you know, they're the team to go through right now. So we definitely have to, you know, gear up and be ready. But, you know, I was stack. I feel like the guys that we have, you know, our pass rush, the guys that we have that can get at the quarterback, I feel like against anybody in the league, I feel like, you know, we have a lot of great uh, pass rushes here. And I feel like you got a kind of a little glimpse of it um, last year, but it's, I feel like it's going to be amazing, you know, what people get to see, you know, with, with our guys in the back end, you know, having so many veteran guys and, you know, a lot of young talent coming in, a linebackers that can, can cover. And, you know, we got guys in the front that can really get out to the quarterback. So it all goes hand, hand in hand, you know, it's, I don't feel like it's one one area or one, you know, phase that's really bigger than the other one, whether it's the rush and the coverage, but it, it, we all help each other. And I feel like, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, you know, what we can do this year. And there's only so many people who play Mahomes twice a year and even fewer guys who, you know, sack him twice in a game. Hey, what's what's the toughest part about, you know, playing a guy like Mahomes and how much differently do you have to prepare for guys like him and Tom Brady and Justin Herbert? Yeah, um, it definitely takes a lot of, you know, preparation. And I, I, I feel like I credit, you know, we played them two times last year and we were able to, I feel like, really key in on things that they, you know, wanted to do and things that, you know, that he liked to do and, you know, tendencies and things of that of that facet. So we were, I feel like, well prepared. Um, I think our coaches did a great job of, you know, game planning for those two games and, you know, really having us prepared for what we were going to see, you know, come Sunday. So. I think we did a, you know, a pretty good job against them, you know, this past year, you know, they used to, you know, lighten up the scoreboards, putting up points, you know, uh, putting up a bunch of yards, but I feel like we did, you know, a pretty good job. And, you know, I'm looking to continue to build off that. Like I said, that's the team that, 
you know, you really have to go through. That's the team that's been the, been the uh, AFC, you know, champs for the past, like, two years. So we definitely have to be ready. We got to go through them. We know that. So we definitely have to be ready. And um, that's what we're preparing for right now. That's what we put our, you know, the work in to do. And, uh, yeah, just take it one step at a time, you know, take care of one task that we can at a time and, you know, continue to build. You know, and Drew Locke, you know, the quarterback of your, you guys, you know, you're a guy who practices against him every day. You saw him, you know, go through his first two seasons in the maturation process going into year two. And, you know, coming into this year, kind of a bit of an unknown nationally. Not a lot of people are talking about Drew Locke and what he has the ability to do. From being a teammate of his, seeing him in the locker room every day, seeing him on the practice field, what stands out the most about Drew Locke for you? And Drew just have, you know, this confidence and this swagger, you know, about himself, you know, really believes in himself. And I feel like that's where it starts for, for, you know, any player on the field, you know, that's where it starts. You have to believe in yourself and your talent and your ability. And that's something that Drew has a lot of, you know, talent and ability. And, you know, he's had chances to show that. Um, so I'm, you know, he shows, he shows that out there in the OTAs right now. And, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, looking forward to how it's going to be and, just looking forward to get getting going. And, you know, we're all behind, you know, whoever, you know, the coaches decide, whoever the organization decide, you know, that we are going, you know, end up going with. So, I mean, I'm excited to see it. I feel like it's definitely been a lot of, you know, good competition out there uh, in the uh, quarterback room. So I'm definitely excited. And you look at that offense that you guys are putting out there every week, Cortland Sutton, you have Jerry Judy, who made a big stride last year, KJ Hamler, who I think has the chance to be a breakout star, Noah Font at tight end, lots of weapons all over the place. You know, what are your expectations for that offense going up against them every day? You know, what do you see for them this year? Man, it's amazing. Like you said, the list goes on, you know, how many talented guys we have at every position, man. And, you know, yeah, I feel like we have everything we need. You just got to, you know, keep keep making those strides, like get everything ironed out, like, because it's no question. Everybody has talent, you know, in the NFL, but what is that thing that's separating? I feel like a lot of it is, you know, mentally. So, you know, I feel like that's definitely something that, you know, we made huge, you know, strides in, and I feel like we have a lot of, you know, leaders and definitely guys that, you know, were younger, had, you know, a lot of opportunities earlier on that's, you know, stepping into those leadership roles. And I'm looking forward to seeing how how we jail, you know, not just as a defense, not just as an offense, but a complete team because, you know, we're going to need each other to pull our games. We're going to need uh, special teams as well. You know, we're going to need everybody, you know, to win games. It's hard to win in the NFL. You know, we all know that. Um, so it's how I feel like how – how well we come together, how how well we, you know, interact, how well we pick each other up, I feel like is, is going to, the better we're going to be. And let's drill down on the defense now, your side of the ball. And Vic Fangio is a guy that has a reputation around the league, you know, as, as a really bright defensive mind and a guy that, you know, fields some ferocious defenses over his years. You know, playing for him every day and having him step into your meetings, what's it like play, playing for a coach of his status and with his background? Man, it's amazing. Like you said, his his record, his track record speaks for itself. You know, he's had, you know, some great players. He has some, you know, great defenses that, you know, he's been ahead of. And uh, he's a guy that is, is old school, the grinder. But I feel like I, I really, you know, enjoy that aspect of, you know, no nonsense, you know, really about the business. And, you know, that's what we all here for. You know what I'm saying? We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. And, um, uh, 
I feel like, you know, he's doing an amazing job, you know, with our defense. And I feel like we just continuing to build and grow each year. And it's, uh, like I said, we've seen glimpses of, you know, I feel like how great, you know, we can be as a defense. So you just looking forward to taking that next step and, and really coming out and, and really being dominant. You know, you guys talk about, you know, playing fast and see ball, get ball or hit ball and, and all that. And, you know, you have a, a nice young mix of young players and veterans now in the system. What, what What's the ceiling for your defense this year? How good can you guys be? Man, uh, I don't even put a ceiling on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like you know, I always say, you know, there's no limit to what God can do. So never put a limit, you know, anything that we can, you can do or put a limit on anything we can do, you know, as a group, as a, as a team, as an organization. You know, it starts, like I said, with the belief, you know, the belief in it, you know, getting everybody on the same page and, like you said, with the with the veteran guys that we have on the defense, veteran leaders, uh, in in each phase, and you know, in the front seven, in the back end, uh, it just I feel like raises the level of play. Like that mixture of the veteran guys plus you know younger talent coming in that can learn from those veteran guys. It just you know creates a culture, and it, it um it, it's, it's gonna be real scary what we can do this year. I'm excited. Yeah, and you look at what you guys did in the offseason and during the draft. I mean, you play in a division with Mahomes, with Justin Herbert and Vegas. You know, they have some firepower as well. The organization invests a first-round pick in Patrick Sertain, who's a bona fide ball hawk. You know, watching him on tape in college and maybe some brief interactions, seeing him on the field in OTAs and rookie camp. What are your first impressions of Patrick Sertain and how good can he be in your defense? Uh, Very impressive. Uh, it seemed like, you know, He's been picking it up, I feel like, from day one, the defense and just feeling it just seems things seems like real natural for him out there. You know, you see always see him around the ball and, you know, right up on the receiver. You know, every time they throw the throw the ball their way and, you know, very fluid. And just, you know, it's amazing to see, you know, uh a I guess a young guy, especially a corner, you know, come in as I feel like so well polished like that. And, and um definitely you know, great guy, seems like a, you know, a good person. And I feel like you need, you know, high character guys like that in your organization, you know, to, to take it to where, you know, it's supposed to be. You know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, that character takes you, you know, uh, a lot farther than just talent wheel alone. So he, he's been great so far. Oh, no doubt. And you add Sertain into that secondary with a guy like Justin Simmons, who, you know, you can make an argument. He's the premier safety in the league. One of the most gifted players at the position for sure. Kareem Jackson's back there on the back end as well. Playing in such a quarterback heavy division and having guys like you up front. How much easier does it make your job when you have Simmons and Sertain and, you know, Jackson on the back end? That, that split second to get after the quarterback. How big of a difference is it for guys like you? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot easier, uh, man. When when the quarterbacks have to, you know, do a double take when they have to, you know, continue to pat the ball because they're nervous, you know, because you got some guys that can make plays back there in their back end. So, like you said, that little extra second or two that they can give us, man, it, it, it speaks volumes. And the quarterback gets antsy in the pocket, knowing that you know you got guys on the on the outside that can cover, and then you got guys coming at you, you know, in the pass rush as well. So, man, it. It just it creates a lot of I feel like indecision. It creates a lot of nervousness, you know, in the quarterback's decisions out there on the field. So, man, uh, it's amazing. You know, I, I I love the way that you know the pass rush goes hand in hand with the coverage. And when you're doing it, 
well. It just seems like, you know, poetry and motion. So, like I said, it's exciting, man. And I'm glad, I'm, you know, happy to, to you know, for us as a team to be in this situation. So I'm excited to see uh, what we can do moving forward. Yeah, I really think that you guys are one of the more interesting teams to watch, both, you know, on offense with all that talent and firepower and what you've built on on that defense in a third year in Fangio's system. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch all this unfold. But I got to ask you, as a native Alabama, and, you know, you look at Julio Jones, grew up a few hours away from you in Foley, you know, all kinds of trade rumors this week. You know, what is he as a player? What do you think he's worth as an asking price? And, you know, where do you think he might land? I can't really uh, speak to the asking price. You know, I'm not a GM. We're not in the front office, you know, doing all the, the business. Have you played him? You, you you going against him? You said, like, have, you, said have you played against Julio? I haven't played against Julio. We played him uh, in the preseason my first year, but he didn't play. So um, I haven't played against him. But, you know, every, everything that I hear about him is that, you know, he something serious to deal with on that field. So. Yeah, whoever whoever end up getting them, man, they I, I feel like they're gonna get you know something special. When you look at the linebackers who came out in this class, you know you have guys that are pass rush specialists. You have guys like Michael Parsons who can kind of do it all: coverage, you know, rushing the passer, sideline to sideline, and tackling and all that. Were there any linebackers in this year's class that you watched and you said, "Wow, that that's a guy that's gonna be a playmaker"? You know. I ain't, I ain't watched much. I feel like college football this past year. Um, so a lot of the things that I seen about the guys coming out in the draft was uh, highlights. Uh, but it seemed like it was a lot of uh, athletic, like you said, linebackers that you know all over the field. And like you said, they're gonna get a opportunity to you know show they can do this upcoming season. But I feel like you know each year it's just guys that's getting more and more athletic guys that can do more like like those three down linebackers that you were just referring to so um it's interesting to see you know how the game is changing and how it's continuing to evolve so it's gonna be uh exciting to see you know what the young guys coming in can do you know right out the bat and uh so yeah we'll see and for you it's your third season you're still a young guy yourself what are your goals that you know if we were having this conversation in february or march everybody talks about the super bowl everybody you know that that's what's everybody's playing for but for you personally you know if i asked you in february or march you know why was this season a success for you personally for malik reed what would it be this past season for this season coming up like your this goal for this season coming up like if you would look back and say hey that was a really successful season because i was able to do this what would that be yeah um really you know out, outlining goals i feel like there was something you know that i started uh last year and uh so i had a list it was right, about 10 to 15 and i was able to check out check off like you know five of the lists you know whether I started off with two sacks uh, my first year. And so, you know, I had on there, you know, five, uh, 10. Check that off the list. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I had, you know, a list of, a list of goals and, you know, it was amazing to see, you know, at the end of the year, I was able to check off, you know, like five, like the tackles, you know, over 50 tackles, um, uh, pass deflation, you know, just, just simple things, uh, in the, as a defensive player, um, able to check out like five of them so just continuing to like build out those things like you know 10 sacks you know what i'm saying i feel like you know there's no no limit like i said never 
never limit what God can do because there's no limit to what he can do. So never put a limit, you know, on the things that you can do. Continue to, you know, go for it all. And it's something that, you know, Vaughn had mentioned to me too. You know, he said, uh, just continue to, you know, go for it all. You know, why not? <laughs> uh, so what kind of mentor is Von Miller to you? Because obviously him going down last year, that kind of opened up the door for you to step in and have that breakout year. But now that you guys are going to be on the field together and, you know, you're practicing together this spring. What's that relationship like? And what kind of a mentor is he knowing that he's probably a Hall of Famer one day? Yeah, man, it's amazing. Like you said, just the thing that you can, you know, that you take get to take, take the field with, you know, potential future Hall of Famer. You know, we all you know, believe that that would be, you know, that that would happen. Um, and just like getting to see, you know, how he practices and, you know, getting advice and uh, him telling me, you know, ways that I can, you know, improve, you know, my game, you know, from watching things that I'm doing on the field and, you know, uh, being able to, you know, coach me up on things that I could, you know, do a little better or make things, you know, a little easier out there on the field. So, uh, he's, you know, I feel like been a great mentor uh, and great friend, uh, somebody, you know, I can go to and, and talk about, you know, things on the field or, or things off the field, too. Um, and it's been, I feel like, great, you know, to have that. I feel like I was, you know, blessed to have the opportunity, you know, to be here, to be to come in a situation, you know, with, like you said, a Hall of Fame guy that is so willing to, you know, give up himself, you know, to help others and, and to be there for others and, you know, you hear the flip side that is, you know, in other places, maybe it may not be like that. And it's not always like that. So, like I said, I'm blessed. I'm th I thank God, you know, for the opportunity each and every day, you know, to come out and be able <clears throat> not only to to learn, you know, uh, from Vaughn, but just uh, be able to, you know, ask questions and, you know, take, you know, look, watch what he does on the field and, you know, take little pieces from his game and, you know, try to add to my own. So. It's definitely been, uh, been a blessing so far. Is there one piece of his skill set where you've kind of borrowed and say, "Oh, yeah, I can, I can adapt that that pass rush move or, or, or you know, that technique into my game"? Is there something that Von Miller you saw on tape or that he might have taught you that you've incorporated into your your skill set? Uh, yeah, even something I've been working on this off season is uh, just the get off and uh, you know, just things to watch for and you know, just anticipation of the snap, just like you know, being ready, you know, to where you can be consistent and getting out the ball. Because you said that's really, you know, half the battle, you know, <clears throat> getting a good jump, you know, making the the offensive line have to react to you instead of you reacting to him. And so you're really in a attack, <clears throat> attack mode where you can, you know, get a great, <clears throat> great get off and really be aggressive. And uh, that's something that, you know, he's mentioned to me. And something that I've definitely been trying to work on this offseason to, you know, add to my game. Like, this has been great, but I got to ask you on the way out the door here, how excited are you to get back playing in front of fans? Because, you know, going into COVID, the Broncos had the longest sellout streak in the NFL. And I believe you sold out the handful of games that you had fans in front of last year, um, mm -hmm. if there were any of those. Um, how excited are you to get back into a packed mile high stadium? Man, it's going to be amazing i remember walking into you know there for the first time and just like wow you know you see it on tv but it does it no justice and um i feel like when the place is rocking it sounds like no other and just being able to um you know watch the nba games and you know the energy that the uh fans are bringing back to like that the fans are bringing to their game is 
is amazing, man. I can't wait, you know, to hear Broncos country out there in the, in the stands, you know, rocking again. He's Malik Reed. He's a player to watch on defense to watch for the Denver Broncos. Appreciate the time, Malik. Look forward to talking to you further up the road. And everybody, be sure to follow Malik Reed on Twitter at MTR underscore 90. Malik, appreciate it, my man. We'll talk to you further up the road. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you, Matt. Really good stuff there from Malik Reed. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch how his snaps shake out with Von Miller returning. But I have a feeling when you're that young a player with that much upside that you showed a year ago, you're going to get on the field and you're going to be able to make an impact. And it's going to be a lot of fun watching what the Broncos defense develops into in a really competitive division against the likes of the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers we we'll have really great quarterbacks and a lot of talent on offense. On the other side, we will talk about some of the teams that I think could be sleeper Super Bowl contenders. Keep it right here on the Matt Lombardo Show Inside Fanside. It's Stack in the Box podcast feed. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Rest chin on ground. Look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. All right, really great stuff there from Malik Reed. Really appreciate and taking the time to jump on. And, you know, you look across the NFL, and I really think the AFC West is one of these divisions that is kind of flying underneath the radar because you talk about the most competitive divisions in football and everybody looks at the NFC West. Everybody looks at, you know, to a certain extent, the AFC North, where you have really three teams that can make a legitimate argument that they could be the favorites in the Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens, certainly with the rosters they've built over the last couple of seasons. But the AFC West is really fascinating because, of course, everybody knows what the Kansas City Chiefs are, right? They have Patrick Mahomes, the greatest living quarterback walking the planet, the most gifted athlete in the sport today, a Hall of Fame caliber roster around them. They've been to two Super Bowls, probably the odds-on favorite to go to a third, and I think there's a really good chance they go 17-0 and this year, especially if they get past the rounds in week one but when you look around the rest of that division and I think the Broncos are a really fascinating team obviously you have to figure out what Drew Locke is they decided not to take a quarterback in round one they took Patrick Sertain who has a chance to be a legitimate ball hawk at cornerback in round one you have a really good defense a great front seven and you look at the offense and you have Jerry Judy you have Noah Font who's a dominant tight end and KJ Hamler who is a real speedster wide receiver who I think has a chance to be a breakout star this year and the Broncos are a team that could compete for a wild card spot. And if they upset Kansas City one time, who knows what happens? And you look at the Raiders, and I think the Las Vegas Raiders, rather, you know, they're really interesting. I like Darren Waller. I think he's an all pro. You can make a case that he's a top three tight end in the league. They, they did some nice things on defense the last couple of years, and they bring in Yannick and Gonkwe in free agency. Nice pickup for them along their front seven. And the Chargers, I mean, you look at what they did. They addressed the offensive line in round one in the draft. They have Justin Herbert, who really looks like he has the chance to become a top 15 quarterback or better this year. 
They have lots of weapons. They have a great head coach. And I think that the Chargers are a team to watch. And then you flip the script to the NFC side. And, you know, everybody talks about the Buccaneers, and rightfully so. I think they won the offseason on top of winning the Super Bowl. You know what I've said many, many times. I think Jason liked the GM and Bruce Arians had one of the more forward-thinking offseasons of any team in recent memory, bringing all 22 starters back, lowering Tom Brady's cap number. Brady gets a second year in that offense in that scheme with those those weapons around him. Yeah, I think that you can pencil in the Buccaneers to the NFC title game and maybe even further than that. But there are some teams that are really fascinating beyond just the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I look at the Los Angeles Rams. They go out and they get Matthew Stafford, and you watch some of the highlights coming out of Rams OTAs, and I saw him pinpoint accuracy drop a back shoulder throw in the corner of the end zone into a really tight window against Jalen Ramsey the Cooper Cup made a really athletic play not just to catch it but get both feet down Jalen Ramsey's a top five cornerback in this league and you're making that catch I know it's OTAs I know you're not in pads and all that but that ball placement that accuracy that throw it kind of made me you know stand up and take notice okay there's a lot of talent there Matthew Stafford is probably a top 15 or better quarterback in this league great head coach great defense I think that they can make a case for being a team that has Super Bowl aspirations this year. And, you know, you look around and in the NFC West as well, the Cardinals, it's it's make or break for Kyler Murray. Lots of firepower there. Seattle is always a threat. So that's going to be a team to watch. And, you know, I'm really fascinated to see what the Minnesota Vikings do. Because, you know, who knows what Kirk Cousins is at this point, but he's certainly competent. Dalvin Cook is a top three running back in this league. A lot of weapons, a really good defense. It's going to be a gauntlet in the North, just like it is in the West. So a lot to watch, a lot to look forward to, some surprise teams on the horizon. But, you know, one more thing to look forward to. This podcast is under review. Yep, you know what that means. This podcast is officially under review. We appreciate everybody who listens, everybody who goes into the Apple Podcast Store and Spotify and subscribe to Stacking the Box, an NFL podcast. And if you subscribe, if you listen, if you like what you hear, we really love those five-star reviews for the Matt Lombardo Show. We're going to read one every week on the podcast. This one comes in from Clinton Blake McKenzie. His headline is, Hoisting the Lombardo Trophy, five stars, and I haven't missed a single episode of Matt Lombardo's show, and you shouldn't either. Matt is as sharp as they come. His interviews with top-tier guests are must-listen entertainment. It doesn't get better than this. Clinton, really appreciate you as always. Thank you for the kind words. Look forward to interacting with you on Twitter and certainly the feedback from everybody out there listening to the pod. That's about all the time we have today. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to Malik Reed for dropping by. Going to really be watching him for the Broncos this year on that defense. And as always, thanks to Fanside. It's Cole Thompson for all of his help week in and week out putting this podcast together and getting it up and running. And thanks to you for listening and subscribing. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Thanks again for listening. I'm Matt Lombardo. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fanside at Stacking the Box podcast feed. Enjoy your week, everybody, and enjoy the start of this summer. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know? There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know? A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.